Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I talk to experienced technology executive Jackson Rep. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Cool. And today we're going to talk about how to help software development teams succeed within your organization. It's a crazy topic because uh, so many technologies have been built during the pandemic and a lot of people had to start working remotely and offshore and all that kind of stuff. So I'd like to hear your take on, before we touch on your topics, what you saw happen during the pandemic that kind of exacerbated potential technology frustrations or helped them. That's a it's an interesting observation because we were a you know a true startup living in a co-working space together and we and we saw each other every day and we were building things and then the pandemic we signed our first like big lease big boy lease in a real office building and we were like pushing elevator buttons and going up and we had little badges and and we were looking around and we didn't have enough furniture yet but we had some furniture and then two months later the pandemic comes. Oh. And we're like, oh, my God, we were just uh, so we're all working from home. That's a bummer. And a- after about three months, we took a survey and we realized that we were doing more better work than we'd ever done before. Um, there were certainly a few people as it went on that had just like a, a physical need to see other human beings through, through the course of the day. Um, but the work was still getting done at you know the level and pace that that we expected and, and needed it to go. Um, it was interesting. We we had one employee decide to go to a different company and we had a goodbye party for him. And you know, this was after the vaccines had happened. So we'd, we'd start letting up just a little bit, but not a lot. And, you know, 10 of us gather there and you could tell, like some of them would walk over, like just when I walked up, I'm not leaving the company and they would just hug me. And other ones were like, cool. And right. So it, very different personalities emerged during this pandemic. And, and the more isolated you were, the more isolated you felt, maybe you felt like you needed to be present. But I think for a lot of developers, we really realized that you, you move away from a place where people can interrupt flow. You can, yep. you know, turn off your notifications, you can get more work yep. done. And no and gossip as- and water cooler chat and all that wasting time. It, I mean, I, I noticed the productivity level soaring. If anything, people yeah. now the commuting time to to and from work and uh, having to be constantly in meetings in the office and constantly people walking up to your desk and bothering you, that's all gone. And people are yeah. now super, super productive. So I agree. But let's talk about some of the tools and technologies that developers work with every day that potentially causes them to be frustrated. What are some of those? Well, I think anything that interrupts flow and, and one of the greatest plugins one of our, our our head of operations discovered is everybody has slack open it can be a massive time suck it's <laughs> it's it's way more present than like email it's just right there all the time and turning off all your notifications is totally fine but we discovered the plugin for google calendar because i have it open all the time and I, yeah i get really good at ignoring it in the same way that i get really good at ignoring like the noise that my children were making like I used to think I could never work from home because it would always distract me and I'd lose my flow state. It was amazing how much screaming I could absolutely um, filter out and not pay attention to. So when you look at tools that interrupt your, your concentration and set you back or take you back out of it, 
you know, meetings are one of those things we try to minimize. Um, interruptions are configuration values, right? I can just choose to turn them off and not ignore them or ignore them. But um, the plugin for Slack, that's the Google Calendar plugin, that was that was the only one I really needed. That was the one that made sure that the minimal meetings that I was that I had to go to, it showed up in a channel where I was maybe already having a conversation and maybe doing work or collaborating. Um, and it was the minimum amount of distraction that I could tolerate at the time. Interesting. Um, so that, that was an incredibly useful tool. I think we got very, very good at um, introducing, we used JIRA for our technology teams. We put the rest of the organization on Asana. So we had tickets and accountability and sort of almost moved from an incredibly increased productive development team. We, we took a lot of that playbook and we, and we moved it back and that discipline back to all the other teams who are, you know, people, people and who are yeah. talking to people. And how do I get you to deliver the things that I need in a way that fosters my productivity as a, as a developer and engineer? You know, interestingly enough, you know, you're talking about Slack and how it's a time suck and how meetings are a time suck. Maybe I, I could be wrong here, but maybe I figured out the way to use it effectively because with my team, we use it all day long. But with my team, when we're in Slack, we are literally creating threads for either conversations or issues. And we are tackling those issues within a few minutes in Slack. And then we're moving on to the next thing without having like, you know, personal conversations. It's strictly work. And then what I noticed, and here's, here's the key, I think, is if we jump into a huddle or a meeting in Slack, which are very convenient, we only do it if we're screen sharing to show something to get the point across. And then we jump back off the huddle real quick. So we're really like quick and effective at these things and we don't waste a lot of time. So I think that people maybe in organizations that are bigger, they're probably, I, thankfully I don't see that stuff, but um, I want to hear from your perspective, um, how, you know, how to sort these problems or like, what are the ways that, um, you know, these developer focused products, what's the shift that needs to happen in order to, fix the issues that you see? Ultimately, I, I, I want to believe that lots of people who are great software developers are solving problems they've experienced when they develop yet another piece of software to help developers be more productive. And, and at HarperDB, similar, right? We, we're a database and, a, and an application tier and it, they born of, they were born of years of frustration with existing database solutions and the complexity of these massive, you know, global distributed systems like AWS Lambda, serverless. Oh my God, there's a whole other tier. Like, great, I don't have to manage my Nginx configuration anymore, but still, it's a lot of code that's spread out around the world and, and I gotta figure out all these moving parts. And we wanted to simplify that. And when you simplify that, you have to make some decisions. You know, it's the convention versus configuration discussion. What assumptions can I make in good faith based on my experience, based on, you know, just sitting around a huddle, like, how should this work? And that's the way a lot of decisions I imagine get made. And there's always somebody on one side going, everything should be in a config file and only like somebody with root access should be able to change the way the software behaves. And the yep, other people yep, are like, yep. no, it's open. It's a, it's a free world. Let them write their own security modules around it. And and I think we we walk that line all the time uh, as to what we're literally I'm in the middle of a, a, a Slack thread right now about opening up a, a feature on a, one of our operations API endpoints. Um, 
in a way that theoretically could possibly allow somebody to to end up with a bad result. And I'm like, but if, in order to do that, like these 12 things have to happen. And also there's normal network things that, you know, come in between all of that happening. That we're I was going to say, yeah, I was gonna right? say yeah. also like, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen when say a thousand users jump onto a feature versus 10 users that are beta testing, because a lot of times working over the past few decades, we're testing an app. It works perfect. Then a hundred people jump on something breaks. Well, like, they're like, well, why didn't you know that was going to break? Well, like you don't know until the load starts to get increase, right? And you don't know where the bottlenecks yeah. are going to happen. I mean, that's why, that's why we run load tests on like every release. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we see, we saw that, we saw that penalty coming up. We, we actually, and, and my uh, head of technology will kill me for this, but, but it's a, it's a well-known story. Um, we, had a client running a production app and we were, we deployed, we were supporting them heavily and we started to run into issues and we're trying to query data from a table and it's just not coming out. I couldn't put more in all the other tables are fine. Everything's working. And we realized that somewhere in there, we had hard coded a value of 1 million as a max. Oh my God. That's a no, no. It's one of those nightmares that you're like, we'd never need more than this. Right. And then the, the reality was the 1 million <laughs> wasn't just like a max rose. It was, a, it was a value that was set. And then because we derived other limits from it, right, you ended up with this max count of rows. And we're like, oh, that's why we shouldn't do that. And you, 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 build these, you build these conventions in because you're trying to help other people not have to configure absolutely everything and and make it easier because we have enough cognitive load, you know, opening up an editor and looking at what 30,000 lines of code for an application and holding all of that in your mind and understanding every yeah. thing that happens when you change a parameter. Like that's a lot. And that's what context switching is. That's why it's bad. Right. And that's why we try to avoid it. So anything we can do to reduce the, like just the cognitive load of building, deploying, managing distributed applications is we make, we take some liberties and so far none of our customers have come back and yelled at us aside from obviously the customer that had more than 1 million. More than one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I forgot about that guy. Let's not forget about that one. Um, let's talk about the what, why, and how of distributed databases. Sure. And, um, and let's just kind of talk about how, you know, how does that help software development and, you know, where do you see that going? in the future for, you know, clients or businesses, why should they be using them? That kind of thing. Sure. I think, I think the pandemic was, was sort of a sea change for us. Um, we were a very small print, small footprint database, uh, extremely resource efficient, very performant for, you know, we could run on a Raspberry Pi. We could handle loads that no other database that runs on a Raspberry Pi could handle. Wow. That's and we impressive. were, we were going to be the edge database, right? We were in a IOT and we were pursuing that market. And we constantly ran into, this is the second company in a row that I've worked at where we were IOT focused. And ultimately the hardware problem was, was it's just holding back that industry so much because you can't find hardware that's inexpensive and durable enough to be out in all those cool industrial right. agricultural applications. So so we run into that. And then during the pandemic, obviously, everybody's at home, everybody's telecommuting, 
all of a sudden we realize the really the only important things in life are bandwidth, <laughs> right? And 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 latency. Yeah. Which 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 results in speed for people that are listening. A lot of the people that are listening are probably not going to be super technical. So just to kind of recap, um, IoT is Internet of Things, which are you know things that talk to the cloud and whatnot. Um, data centers are big warehouses full of servers that you have to cool down. And what we're talking about here is distributed data, which is multiple servers in the cloud, I guess you could say, that all have the data going back and forth between different servers and um, you're storing it in different places. And if a place is closer to your office, then you're going to be hitting that server versus the one in like Indonesia. You might be hitting the one in New York. And so it kind of finds the closest one to you, I'm guessing, to make speeds faster. And you guys have software that even makes it better than that. And, um, and really it's uploads and it's uploads and download speeds we're, we're looking at. We're looking at getting, you know, data in quicker, data out quicker. And, um, a lot of these companies out there are moving petabytes or terabytes of data per day and they got to move it as quickly as possible, especially when it has to do with, um, you know, big, big numbers, right. And potentially financial transactions and things like that. So this is great to, to finish up. Let's, um, have the three tips that you can give entrepreneurs out there or businesses on how they can help their software team succeed. Number one, be clear on what it is you want to achieve, not necessarily, you know, the manner in which it will be achieved, but be super clear about your vision. Number two is be open to the idea that the greatest idea can come from absolutely anywhere. Number three is allow for technical debt. Good points. And where can people find out more about what you do and if they want to contact you? HarborDB.io. Uh, we'll teach you all about the benefits of distributed computing and distributed data. Um, spin up a free instance, super easy to use, and it'll change your life. Sweet. Thanks, Jackson, for coming. Appreciate it. Hope everybody learned something about distributed databases. And as always, we will see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.